0: Hello and welcome to the Paddock Bees podcast. I'm Tim Nash, a beekeeper always wanting to learn more and also the man behind the Paddock Bees account on Instagram. This is a podcast for those who've fallen into the beekeeping trap and want to learn a little bit more from the beekeeping community. Each week we'll mix up the guests and provide some insights into the world of beekeeping. So sit tight and we'll soon make a start. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Paddock Bees podcast. I'm really glad I'm not recording these podcasts with the video as I've got an ear which would rival Dumbo's. I got stung the other day, swelled up massively and I've just got to ride it out. Anyway, enough about me. I'm delighted to be joined by Mark from Black Dog Apiaries, a Suffolk based bee, bee farmer. I know 2020 was a big year for Mark and I can't wait to find out more. So let's get started. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So let's go back to the beginning. When did you start beekeeping and what got you initially interested in keeping bees?
1: I started beekeeping probably in 2014. Um, before beekeeping, I was a pastry chef and baker. So the interest in honey is a raw ingredient has always been there but for people outside of beekeeping honey is one of these mysterious ingredients that you either know about and you don't and it comes down to the simple questions when you speak to people that aren't beekeepers now is it's just a misunderstanding like a lot of people don't realize that bumblebees don't produce surplus honey and you know honey comes from honeybees and um, yeah so the interest was there and it wasn't until 2014 that through a friend of my wife's I got introduced to beekeeping and it went from there really Uh, she introduced me to the local beekeeping association and all in that year I got my first two hives and the journey started there really. Seven years on what's your current colony count then? <laughs> um if my wife asks it's about 10 but technically i'm at about 100 to 120 colonies
0: that's good going i need to double check to see whether you you've toppled y valley off the uh off the leaderboard i need to go back and have a look at that 120 and how
1: have you got there over the last seven years i'm proud to say that apart from the odd swarm and that that you collect i've never purchased bees I've never purchased nucleus colonies I've never purchased uh, queen bees my first uh, couple of hives that I started off with in 2014 were a couple of swarms that were given to me Uh, and from an early age it was just uh, understanding and trying to understand mimic the bees and what they want to do and just by splitting the hives Uh, as time got on I got more proficient uh in the later years i started queen rearing so i raised all my own queens uh and once you learn queen rearing you can select your own, from your own stock uh, you know the best attributes that you want um it's it's all just easy you just can make keep making bees
0: and what sort of hives have you got your bees in
1: I'm currently on 10 frame deep Langstroths. So I use a 10 frame deep for everything for nuke boxes, uh, over double screen boards. I use them for my supers. Um, so, yeah, so it's a one box setup that I use just for um, uh, efficiency.
0: Another Langstroth man. There we go. We've had Daydance, we've had Nationals, but I'm not sure that we've had another uh, pure Langstroth hive person so there we go i'm in someone else's club
1: now <laughs> we've got to sort out these biased uh, national lot especially when you do the uh, the modules when you know 95 of the questions are all about nationals so uh, yeah big up the uh, uh, langstroth massive
0: <laughs> so out of interest when you're harvesting a brood box of honey what sort of weight is that for people just to get an understanding of how much honey is kept in one box? So 10 frames of brood Langstroth. How heavy is that going to be?
1: The, the books tell you one thing, but realistically, it's it's not it's not that heavy. Like according to like uh, health and safety uh, advice, you know, a, a load that maximum load someone can <clears throat> lift unaided is 25 kilos. So these uh, these brood boxes can be about 30 kilos 35 kilos so if you're like me you know a baker and pastry chef lugging around 25 kilo sacks all day it's not that much weight and because i'm only using the one box instead of taking away two or three supers per colony i'm only ever lifting off the one box so i'm actually lifting a lot less
0: that's interesting. I had thought about scrapping supers and just going to the one box model because at least you just, you're just you only ever grabbing the one thing. You know what you need to grab and it's just consistent and the surplus, it, it just all fits with each other. If you need to swap frames about, it's easy to do. So you joined the Bee Farms Association in 2020. Why would people go down that route rather than just staying a beekeeper?
1: I think it's a a route that goes down for people that are interested in making a livelihood from their bees. So it's all about making money. And uh, with what I find with beekeeping, talking to beginner beekeepers and uh, beekeeping associations, there's this taboo of selling a premium product. Like the amount of beekeepers that start beekeeping and say that they, they're they not interested in the honey. It's all about the pollination, looking after their garden. And they undersell the honey. And it's a shame because this is beautiful premium product that is so rare. No man can ever make it. And they just have this shame of selling it. And um, people that want to become bee farmers are people that usually understand the bees they grow with their bees and they respect their bees and they decide uh, that they want to turn it into a business and this is another cliche that uh, perhaps bee farmers don't look after uh, their their bees as well or they take shortcuts or they're a bit <clears throat> dash but like all livestock and husbandry, it's like if you don't look after your livestock, your bees, uh, your cows, or whatever you know, you'll keep them to a high welfare standard. They will not produce for you, and if your uh, income, your livelihood depends on that, it's in your interest to look after them.
0: With 120 colonies, that's fairly big amount of work. What do you enjoy most about your beekeeping?
1: I think with the beekeeping is uh, I quite enjoy the the understanding of it. The uh, I'm very visual. I'm very hands-on. And uh, uh, I'm not one of these people c- that can textbook, textbook, textbook. I think there's this big farce in beekeeping where uh, there's a lot of emphasis on online learning or YouTube videos or, uh, you know, picking up a textbook. And what I find is if you a lot of these textbooks and information is passed down it's almost like a copy and paste of the same information so it's information that you know but you don't understand and i when i talk to beginners or other beekeepers i put so much emphasis on understanding what the bees are doing in the wild or in their colonies and mimicking it and i think there's a lot more to learn to bees that you can through just watching and observing uh, than you can in any textbook or video or anything like that
0: would you dislike most would you say that's what you dislike most the fact that there is so much about textbooks or is there something else
1: um i would say i would yeah i, I my most dislike my biggest dislike of beekeeping is being classed as a hobbyist to call beekeeping a hobby I think is a is a bit of a bit of uh is it very annoying to myself just because of the fact a hobby is something that you can pick up and leave like for instance if you kept a pet like a dog a horse a cat it's not a hobby it's an animal it needs caring and it's this this hobby um tag that we put on beekeeping that gives it this something that you can pick up and put down whenever you want so it's like that slogan a dog is for life not just for christmas beekeeping is not a hobby it should be you know it's a livestock that needs caring all year round so i think that would be my biggest uh gripe i have within beekeeping
0: it's a valid point because it is animal husbandry and it is livestock management so it, yeah it makes perfect sense you wouldn't say that someone who's got a dog is a dog hobbyist
1: no totally agree and um And this is where the misconception of people, uh, oh, I need a hobby. Oh, I'll take up beekeeping. And then I'll get a box. I'll just leave it at the bottom of the garden. It'll be fine. And then it dies after a year with a little bit of honey. Hooray. That's my hobby over. So there needs to be a bit more husbandry side in it.
0: What's been your best beekeeping story or experience over the last seven years then?
1: I think the best experience I ever had was when when you do something new and a new skill so for instance my uh the, the 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 first moment that I truly went yes I got something was when I first started to learn to graft queen rare, and I pulled up the frame of my uh, grafted cells and uh I had a hundred percent acceptance you know it was my third year of doing it and to get a hundred percent uh acceptance on my grafted was a uh, uh, a, a real uh success triumph for me doesn't happen often i've got to admit but <laughs> but when i did get the you know 100 acceptance i was very very happy with that
0: when we're talking about queen rearing and grafting what do we actually mean now what are you doing what are you grafting
1: so what i'm doing is i'm selecting um a queen or a colony in my uh in my apries uh something that i look for in traits you know good um flying at low temperatures, very frugal with uh, stalls over winter. Um, I'm looking for good um, honey crops, so how much honey they bring in. Uh, and then what I'm doing is I'm using the eggs, or should I say the larvae of that queen, and then I'm manipulating uh, queen cells uh, to breed from. So I'm breeding from her daughters uh, to establish new uh, colonies for my apiaries.
0: What's
1: been one of your funniest stories? Oh, funniest stories! Oh, um, I think we—I was helping out at the local club BBKA, um, which is the Waveney Beekeepers, just in Barsham in Beckles. And um, there's a there was a wonderful old chap that lived next door who almost uh, well he was part of the club. You no, know, he looked after it. Passed away a couple of years back. Bless him. And uh, we used to tend as bees for them just to help them out. And uh, one of the hives in the corner was this monster of a hive. It used to just never used to swarm. It used to have bees bulging everywhere. You know, you'd open up the lid and they'd go flying up in the air. Just an absolute, very defensive hive. And we'd always leave that to last. And we'd always put extra gloves on and duct tape round the wellies. And... <laughs> And uh, yeah, we were doing that one day without realising that um, one of the other boys on the other side, who's a maintenance guy, was sorting out his guttering. So he was uh, swinging to and fro like Lulu at pantomime on the top of this ladder, being stung to death while we were trying to uh, uh, sort out this hive for him. So uh, yeah, that was one of the funniest times uh, of beekeeping.
0: I'm enjoying the various stories that people are, uh, are bringing up. I know we've all got them and they all still make us chuckle so we're thinking back to 2020 we've mentioned the fact that you joined the Bee Farms Association the Black Dog Bakehouse can you tell me a bit more about that
1: part of my business plan is the fact that um with all farming and the way that we farm um whether it be livestock agricultural it's all about diversification so my idea is being a pastry chef and baker was to use my previous knowledge to add value and yield to my honey. So my idea was to open up alongside the Ape Breeze, the bakehouse. So, for instance, we used to do, uh, and we still do, in fact, um, granola, honey granola, confectionery, and we now do cakes and things like that using honey. Um, and in that way, what that does for me as a business is it gives me – cash flow so for instance when the honey comes in uh if that runs out uh through sales or just um yeah yeah so when when the honey sales uh, come in and that uh usually that's in bulk or wholesale um the bakery side gives us cash flow like steady income uh, to support that so that's us diversifying the business
0: the moment you do mail order cinnamon buns, I'm definitely going to be placing an order. Mrs. Nash and I are partial to uh, to some of those, and we've definitely ordered a few online uh, from various places during the lockdowns that we've had to endure. I think we've just eaten our way through these lockdowns.
1: <laughs> no, we we do do a cinnamon bun at the moment. We're we're actually outgrown our premises. We are actually looking for new premises to um, expand in. So, uh, yeah, so this time next year, we should be in a new premises with a larger production list um, as well with bigger apiaries. And hopefully everything can be all on site. So uh, it will be black dog, uh, apiaries and bakehouse.
0: And I saw you've got a great taste award. So congratulations for that, for your honey, fruit and nut granola. What a great achievement
1: there. Thank you very much. Uh, It was quite a uh, we were quite shocked at that because the. Uh, granola we started in 2019 and then we got it in 2020 so the product was only um, six months from idea to product and um, we got an award for it so yeah me my wife you know we're very impressed with that
0: so your extra beekeeping curricular activities have been pretty full on last year how was the 2020 season for you
1: i'm not gonna lie it's very difficult starting up a bakery a business and to keep on top of the bees uh i am very um structured when it comes to the bees so the i uh i work the bees the bees don't work me so uh, there are uh tricks and uh techniques that i use so i'm not uh, interfering with the bees too much so i probably inspect my hives uh once every three to four weeks
0: and so what are some of those tips? And that's really intriguing because a lot of people will be reading now. A lot of new beekeepers, they'll be reading. Once it gets to April, start your, your weekly inspection. So what, is, what are some things that you do differently?
1: When I started to, um, when I joined Bee Farmers and I started to talk to these people uh, that have uh, do it on a professional level, um, obviously time is a, is a factor. When you have 100 hives, you can't get round uh, the hives, you know, that, that quick. And if you do, you you know, there's, there's all sorts of issues with that. Uh, one of the greatest bits of advice I was told, if a colony peaks in population before the honey flow, it will swarm. If a colony uh, peaks in population after the honey flow, it will be uh, concentrating on the honey and it won't swarm. So the trick is to get your colonies to peak in population just after the honey flow. And the way you do that is through uh, pulling nukes, equalizing, um, and then just going like that. So, for instance, the way I work is I do uh, double broods. So I'm a single box management, but I use a double brood box as a manipulation. So instead of pulling nukes out of a single, I grow the nuke into the double box to take away later on.
0: It's really interesting. It's uh, yeah, And with talking to every beekeeper, they always have different, different ways of doing things. And I'm just sat here mulling it over, but that's no use to our listeners, just a bit of radio silence and listening to the cock go around in my head. So I'm going to take that <laughs> away and listen and, and think about that bit a little bit more. As the weather brightens up, today was an absolute corker. What are your plans for this season?
1: Well, this season would be to minimise swarming, increase honey productivity and um, just maintain a good high standard of husbandry and uh, breed the best bees that I possibly can.
0: 120 colonies now. Where do you reckon you'll be come the end of this season?
1: I I would think sustainability for myself would be around about 150. So 120 is where we are uh, at the moment maximum. It pivots down probably, uh, yesterday was one of my first inspections, so it's uh, combining hives at a week, you know, that drops you down from 120 to probably about 80, Uh, give it about two more weeks, I'll probably be be back up to 100, a couple of weeks after that I'll probably be about 150, but 150 is where I'd like to sit at and that's where I'd be comfortable
0: the queen rearing you're doing is that purely for your own stock or if if there are local beekeepers can they message you and and see if there's any opportunity to get their hands on some of your queens
1: um from my point of view i think my queens are more valuable to myself in the hives um i'm not saying i'd never uh, breed queens for sale but it's not something that i am uh, adventuring into just yet
0: That makes sense, obviously, just making sure that all your bees have have the traits uh, that you want.
1: Of course, yes, yes.
0: Now, there's a number of new beekeepers listening to this podcast, and there'll be a number of seasoned beekeepers. What would your advice be for those beekeepers looking to get into, uh, not this hobby, but into beekeeping this season?
1: (laughs) I would say, um, just remember, it's a practical... It's a a practical... um, uh, thing it's it's an art you know it's it's experience through uh, doing it so what I would suggest is uh, treat it like you would I think uh, like pilots they have flying hours if you're a beginner with one hive and you can only open that hive say once a week for about four or five months it's very little interaction that you can have with the bee colony whereas if you can try and source more time with beehives whether it's through a beekeeping group or friends the more hives that you can physically see and get into uh, the more you're exposing yourself to beekeeping so that's that's what i would suggest is try and get as much hands-on practice and uh, actually observe what the bees are doing
0: how about the seasoned beekeepers what what do you think sometimes people take for granted they might forget and it's just worth reminding them
1: about First, um, for seasoned beekeepers, I think it's it's so personal. Like how I teach beekeeping at the uh, Beekeeping Association uh, that I am part of, it's almost like we have to teach to the BBKA curriculum. Whereas how I would beekeep myself as a bee farmer would be completely different. So with the seasonal, uh, with more seasoned beekeepers, they would have their own technique and their own way of doing things but the one thing i would strongly suggest that they um focus on would be sustainability um stop buying bees um the amount of especially people that have been beaking for three or four years uh and i see their posts on social media oh if you've got swarms i'll come and get them swarms i'll pay for swarms i'll give you free honey for swarms um to me that's 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 Lazy beekeeping. It's like when you're getting into your fourth, your fifth years, if you've got 10 to 15 colonies, that's enough to start being sustainable. Overwintering nucleuses, uh raising your own queens. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd like to see seasoned beekeepers just be a bit more sustainable sustainable with their uh stocks. Yeah,
0: that's good advice. So so you think 10 to 15 is the number you'd need to get to for most aspects of sustainable beekeeping then
1: yeah i think 10 to 15 hives uh you'd have enough resources for cell starters cell finishes you can do it with much less but i think 15 would just you'd have enough equipment you'd be comfortable and also at 10 to 15 hives you'd have that knowledge of how to manage them efficiently as well so i think it will be um a nice overall package that when i work with beekeepers that have handled about 10 to 15 maybe 20 hives they do have that little zip about them, that little bit of confidence that they can just go into a hive do what needs to be done and come out without playing with them
0: uh, that's really interesting i hadn't thought about that just uh, at what level you would need to how many colonies you'd need to have to be self-sustainable in that fashion but yeah because you could have a number of different colonies set up for different functions and when we talk about the cell builder and cell finisher there we're tying back to the whole queen rearing side of things again uh, for for some of the listeners who might not know that where and when will people be able to buy your honey from then mark
1: uh, my Honey at the moment is uh, available from our bakehouse in Brampton in Suffolk. Uh, we are actually currently trying to launch a website online uh, where we will be doing um, uh, online deliveries. Uh, whether we follow that with our baked goods as well, uh, that's still in development. So, uh, yeah, so we supply wholesale uh, around the Suffolk area. Um, we will have a website running very shortly this coming season. And uh, of course, if you're ever in Suffolk, in uh, Brampton, near Beckles, come on in and say hello.
0: And for those uh, listening, just to remind you, Black Dog Apries, have a look on Instagram, have a look on Facebook and you'll be able to find Mark and, and contact Mark there. One of the questions we like to ask, is, what are your jobs for this week?
1: My jobs <laughs> for this week is jobs that I should have done about two months ago which is uh foundation 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 and painting
0: <laughs> foundation again it's just all one side to you isn't it it's just brood foundation so how many sheets of foundation have you got to got to put in still
1: uh probably about a thousand to go
0: that's brutal hopefully with a nail gun
1: of course
0: <laughs> <laughs> i i still sit there tapping away and uh in the garage and everyone knows when i'm doing it they just hear that tap 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 that continuous tapping i just got to a point of i'm all right for now i know that i've got enough kind of these supers are ready to go on the frames are made up it is literally just putting the foundation in which isn't half as bad as having to knock together the frames and put the foundation in as well
1: oh no i totally agree with you one of the we at the waveney beekeepers we um We do a beginner's course and one of the nights we show them how to um, put a frame together correctly because the amount of times we see frames, uh, you know, absolutely obliterated with people that think they know what to do Uh, and having 30 people, obviously this was before uh, COVID, having 30 people in a room on tables with four ounce hammers all tapping away at frames Oh, it's deafening, and a and couple of hours of that—it's—it's it's enough to send you—send uh, um, you mad. But uh, we are cheeky, so all us uh, more experienced beekeepers—we—we uh, we throw in a couple of hundred of our frames for them to put up. Yes, you get the—the the odd one that's a bit uh, useless, but uh, yeah, they're quite happy to make our frames for us. So uh, <laughs> we do cheat a little bit.
0: Mark, you've had. A fascinating journey in a really busy last year especially when a lot of people obviously with lockdown it would have been somewhat quieter you seem to have just gone strength to strength and obviously heading into this season with the ambition of 150 colonies it's uh, it's a great story and really enjoyed listening to your journey and looking forward to seeing where you want to go so thank you so much for joining me today
1: no it's been a pleasure and thanks for having me
0: Hi everyone, thanks for taking the time to join me today for the Paddock Bees podcast. I really hope you found it useful. I'd love for you to come back and give me some feedback. So head over to Instagram and send me a direct message or email me on paddockbees at gmail.com. I want to hear from you. I want to know what you want to hear about. So please don't hesitate to give me your thoughts. Once again, thanks for joining. See you next time. Bye.